Okay, so I hear you like books. Why, yes, I do. That's right. When I was your age, television was called books. And this is a special book. Because when you read a book as a child, it becomes part of your identity in a way that no other reading in your whole life does. And I have gotten carried away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you have. Are you seeing the books? Everything you want to read is right here. Feel it. Feels good, right? Just smell it. Nothing, nothing smells like that. Welcome, friends, to Reading the Newberries, episode 26. This is a team friendship podcast, in case you were wondering. (laughs) We're a team of friends who like to podcast. (laughs) This episode, we're going to be discussing Number of the Stars by Lois Lowry, winner of the 1990 Newberry Medal. Welcome to the 90s. hey oh, We are all wearing our side ponies. Was that in the 90s? And scrunchies and slap bracelets. I wasn't born yet. Yeah, you didn't come around to the 91. is not on this episode. <laughs> I wasn't born until the next year. Well, <laughs> spoiler, I'm joined today by Lauren. Hello, friends. And Mandalay. What up, friends? Who's not born yet. <laughs> Making a special appearance. <laughs> I am Leah, and I was four years old <laughs> when this book won the Newberry. It's a good little book. This is, it is a short, quick read, but powerful, and we'll get into that in a bit. But first... All right, it's time for book news. All right, so first up, since we were just at the Star Wars celebration, we learned of Anthony Daniels' memoir, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it is called I Am C-3PO, The Inside Story by Anthony Daniels. Discover the incredible untold story of one of Star Wars's most iconic characters, C-3PO, told by the man who knows him best. Mm-hmm. It says, now for the very first time, Anthony Daniels will tell C-3PO's story in its entirety from seeing the first concept images to the early stages of the final film in the Skywalker saga, Star Wars Episode Nine. And in the process, will also tell his own. This includes his encounters with movie legends such as Sir Alec Guinness, what it was like working closely with George Lucas, and the friendships he formed with Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, and others. But being encased in a solid shell for countless hours also involved hardships, pain, and in some cases, real physical danger. In IMC3BO, The Inside Story, Daniels candidly relays his humorous, unvarnished, and extraordinary story as the man inside the machine, providing fresh new insights for even the most diehard of Star Wars fans. I actually wondered about that, about being inside the suit. This comes out November 5th, 2019. So look forward to that. year. I really hope that he reads his own audiobook because... (laughs) I don't know if anyone else would be able to do it justice (laughs) after seeing him. He is so... (laughs) funny even if you are not a star wars fan i think this book is going to be hilarious and well written because Mm -hmm. he is so well spoken and very entertaining yes Mm -hmm. and if you're interested in behind the scenes movie hollywood kind of stuff i'm pretty sure this book will be for you 
even if you're not a diehard Star Wars fan, because this guy's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I, pretty entertaining. Anytime he went on the stage, <laughs> it just was the best. He just took over. Yeah, Whoever was did. hosting had to give up because it was now the C-3PO show. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's very much like C-3PO in that he likes to talk. Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was typecasted, I think. For sure. <laughs> Leah, what do you have? So for my book news, I found a book that looks really fun. I believe it's for middle grade readers. It's called The Night Library by David Zel- Zeltzer. came out on April 2nd, so it's already out. You can get it if it sounds like something you want to read. It says, The Polar Express meets the night at the museum in this fantastical picture book. Ooh, that sounds really cool. Is it an adventure about the magic of books and libraries and perfect for book lovers of all ages? So this is about a young boy who goes to sleep and he's upset because he's going to get a book for his birthday. And at <laughs> night, he is visited by patience and fortitude. And these are the two stone lions that stand out in front of the New York Public Library. Soon, he's magically whisked away from his cozy home in the Bronx, and the two mighty lions show him the wonder of the library. There, the inquisitive Latino boy discovers the power of books and their role not only in his life, but also in the lives of the people he loves. That sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. I want to read that. It looks like there's also picture. Oh, it's an illustrated book. It looks gorgeous. So that is already out if it sounds good to you. Came out on April 2nd. Lauren, what do you have? So Lupita Nyong'o has her very first children's book called Solway. Solway actually means star in Kenyan. Um, So it says it's about a five-year-old girl who suffers from certain insecurities due to her deeper skin complexion and being the darkest child in her family. This book deals with the topic of colorism. It's just about um, encouraging kids and really everyone to just be comfortable in the skin they're in, literally. And the artwork was done by Vashti Harrison, I think. Mm. And she does really... I would describe her artwork as cute. Like, it's just really cute and pretty. So check it out. That book comes out comes out in October. So be looking for that. At it, it is a picture book. So Leah, what else do you have? So this is not a hard and fast kind of book news update. However, our one of our favorite authors, Kwame Alexander, a new Barry Award-winning author, he posted a picture. He is at LA Times Festival of Books, or was that? I think that's over now. But he posted a picture with James Patterson and said, so I'm writing a new novel with a friend, dot, dot, dot. Ooh. That was on Twitter on April 12th. So people are getting very excited about that, that he might be writing a new book with James Patterson. So we'll have to look out for Kwame's new book. That sounds cool. All right, next we want to talk about um, a social media question we posted on our Facebook and Instagrams. Yes, we asked our followers, do you need a room to be silent when you read or do you prefer background noise? Mandy, Mm. do you remember what your response was? Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, I believe I said that I mostly read with a fan 
Because hmm. um, I read at bedtime and I sleep with the fan on and just some white noise. Yeah, and once I'm in the bed, <laughs> I don't want to get back up. So mm, I get that. The fan must be on first. Um, but there are times where I can't I can't focus. Like, you know, when you get real deep in to the book and then something just sucks you out, it's really irritating. Sometimes I have to turn the fan off because mm. it does that. Yeah. What about you, Lauren? So for me, it really depends on the book. So there's some stories where it doesn't matter where I am or how much noise is going on. I am so deep into the book that I hear nothing going on around me. <laughs> that just depends on the book. Some books like um, like if it's a Star Wars book or if I'm reading, uh, like when I read the Hobbit books, I would turn on the Lord of the Rings soundtrack just to kind of put me in the mood. If I'm reading mm-hmm. a Star Wars book, sometimes I'll turn on Star Wars music and more of like the the more uh, lighter songs. I'm not going to listen to the opening yeah. <laughs> thing that's a little distracting. You do that before you start reading. Get you right. pumped up. Time to start reading. <laughs> yeah. But I can't I can't do music with words. So if I am listening to music, it's, it's either like mm-hmm. jazz or um, soundtrack music or classical. So that's me. What about you, Leah? Well, for me, I prefer background noise when I'm doing anything like concentrating, especially reading. I like music to be playing. I like to read when I'm out in public. And I think this probably comes from being a kid that carried a book with me everywhere. (laughs) I would literally walk behind my mom while we'd be at a shopping mall and just kind of track her feet with the tops of my eyes while I was reading. (laughs) So I actually prefer background noise. But if my husband and I are reading at night, he needs it to be quiet. So... Do you have to like wear earbuds then? Sometimes, or I can read if it's quiet. It, I'm. It's not like I can't read when it's quiet. I just prefer to have music going. So we can share some of our followers. Um, Angie agreed with Lauren that it depends on what she's reading, but if it's a fluff read, she likes the sound of Lake Geneva in the background, mm. which sounds delightful. Hmm. So one of our fr- our. F- Friends and followers. Teresa said she can read anywhere. Joanna says, well, she said it in Spanish, but she prefers silence. Also, <laughs> our, um, our big friend, our biggest, our big friend, our biggest fan <laughs> <laughs> and biggest friend, <laughs> Joey, says silence in all caps, screamed in my best four-line voice, and that is why I have to read in mm. silence at night. But yeah. if it means that he will read with me, then I'll do it. Yeah. I'll do it. Look at you. Sacrificing for the greater good. <laughs> Mandy, do you have any of these pulled up? I do. Can you tell us what our friend David said? He's got two. He's got two. I'll read his first one. Uh, David says, if I'm reading to learn, I need it to be silent. But if I'm reading for pleasure, I like some background noise. For example, I play train noise through the Bookly app when reading for fun. It sounds just like I'm riding on a subway. That's so fun. That, that's actually that. a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> I might start doing that. Uh, so then he also said that when his wife is reading, she completely enters the world created by the story. She's... Uh, she neither sees nor hears anything originating from this world until she has been transported back across the threshold between the world. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> Love it. Okay, uh, Drew Caldwell says background noise is a must. My tinnitus makes it nearly impossible to concentrate in a silent room. And I think every single one of us can relate to that because we all he suffer. He suffers from the tinnitus as well. Yes. <laughs> 
feel you, Drew. Yes. That's why I have to have a fan on all the time. Yes. If there's not a fan on, I, I hear this. It gets really bad. High-pitched. Mine gets the worst after I take a shower. I don't know if that means something, but. Did you have any from Instagram yes, ones? we have some friends on Instagram. So our uh, fellow podcasters, Genre Junkies, check them out if you don't listen to them. They say they prefer a little background noise. Music is good. I agree with you guys. And then Mama Brand Rock says silence with an exclamation point. So she's serious. I think we're all kind of split down the middle. Some prefer absolute silence and some prefer some background noise. So, hey, I don't care. I feel like if people are reading, awesome. Exactly. Well, thank you guys for contributing. Yes, we we so usually put out a question uh, every Wednesday usually, so we love to get feedback from you guys and learn more about our listeners. Well, friends, are we ready to get into this book? Yes. I believe so. All right. So we are discussing Number the Stars by Lois Lowry, winner of the 1990 Newbery Medal. So this is the Goodreads description. Ten-year-old Anne-Marie Johansson and her best friend Ellen Rosen often think of life before the war. It's now 1943, and their life in Copenhagen is filled with school, food shortages, and the Nazi soldiers marching through town. When the Jews of Denmark are relocated, Ellen moves in with the Johansons and pretends to be one of the family. Soon, Anne-Marie is asked to go on a dangerous mission to save Ellen's life. Mandy. Yes. This is Mandy's debut as <laughs> not the a good debut. <laughs> book background expert. So give us some book background. We've already talked about Lois Lowry with The Giver, so she's not yes. really going to give us any new information there. If you're curious, listen to our episode on The Giver. <laughs> Little plug um, for a previous So what do you have for there. us, Mandy? I I couldn't really find anything more than what we, it, the, the three of us, had already read, but I will say for the people um, that she wrote Number of the Stars based off of stories told to her by her friend. Uh, her friend Annalise Platt and her friend grew up, I, I guess, in um, Denmark. Denmark, yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, during the German occupation. Um, and she actually dedicated this book to her friend. So that is where this came from. And I also learned uh, that the majority of everything in this book is is true happenings. She just built a fictional family around it. Very interesting. So that's really cool to me. And it should be cool to anyone that's read the book. Awesome. Very good. <laughs> I, I, I really did try to find more, but every single interview I read Just that she did thing. on this was, yeah. yeah, it was the same Yeah, stuff. I think in most copies of the book in the, what is it called, the after, afterword? Yes. Um, She talks about, yeah, just kind of her inspiration and... All of that. Yeah. So I actually watched like two or three interviews yeah. she did. So read through it if you it have the book. It's all the same. So it's really interesting. Excuse me, Leah. You look like you want to say something. I was just looking through this information. I don't know what might come up later, but I thought it was really interesting that the rabbi who found out about. Uh, the Germans coming to take away the Jewish people 
they had kind of a, a little bit of a heads up. He was mm-hmm. notified by a high German official, mm-hmm. G.F. Duckwitz. Mm, yes. I just, I like that there are names like that mm-hmm. out there that mm-hmm. you can, I don't know. I don't know what it is about the Holocaust, but names are so important and yeah. people try their hardest to gather names mm-hmm. of people that were taken away or people that were heroes and made a difference. And well, it's cool to hear that there were Germans that yes. did good. Yep. It's right. like, we have to be so careful that we don't put everyone into one category right. and villainize right. everyone that's from a certain culture or mm-hmm. country. Mm-hmm. So I like hearing about stories like that. For sure. Yeah, I, this book is so great. And I love that she has that afterward in there. It's I love reading history books and then finding out that they are mostly true, even though it's a fiction. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this story... Is so well written for children mm-hmm. because it's giving them, I feel like, <laughs> kind of like in the same, like, there's a theme in the book where it talks about the adults only give Anne-Marie as much information mm-hmm. as she needs because if she gets too much information, she's not going to be as brave or right. maybe it would put her in a position that... Um, would put her in danger if she knew too much information. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like Lois Lowry does sort of the same thing. And she's giving children just enough information about this situation and time period of history um, so they can still learn lessons and they can still learn about the history. um, Mm -hmm. But she's doing it in a gentle way. Well, and I know for me... um Growing up as a reader, I love to read historical fiction, and it really piqued my interest and kind of guided me in my later years as I became a teenager and studying things. Um, It gave me that groundwork without giving you too much information. Kids in this society probably shouldn't have to and couldn't handle the full blunt, (laughs) like full brunt, brunt? Brunt. Brunt. I believe that is the correct word. <laughs> <laughs> the full brunt of the Holocaust. I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot for adults to take in. Yeah. Um, but this kind of gives them that little glimpse into this piece of history. And hopefully as they get older, it'll stick with them and they'll learn more about it. And it's very important that this time is not forgotten. Yes. I agree. Well, should we discuss the book? Let's a discuss bit? it. So we meet Anne Marie who has a younger sister and a best friend. It starts with them walking home from school, correct? Mm -hmm. And so this is your first glimpse into their life in German-occupied Denmark. Yes. And they're stopped by an officer. Mm Mm-hmm. What were your initial, I don't know, reactions, feelings about this situation? So I've been reading a lot of World War II fiction, adult fiction, and it's just interesting how in all of these books, the German officers are portrayed exactly the same, just very, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Snobbish and just treating, no matter what country they're occupying, just treating the people as less than, you know, feeling like they can take whatever they want from these people. I mean, they were taking these people's best things, like their best clothing, their best food. 
and just making them feel so small and insignificant. And that's, I feel like that's what they do. Like every encounter that I read in these historical fiction books, that's just how they make the people around them feel is very small and insignificant and very fearful because they have the power to do whatever they want to them. Right. Hmm. So I was very, (laughs) I've moved on from fear to anger (laughs) (laughs) because it makes me upset. It really upsets me, especially when they're picking on little kids. Mm-hmm. So without, it's hard to talk about any of this without getting a little bit political. However, I've noticed that just with war in general, when you send just the average young man or mm-hmm. woman into another country to kill those people, you have to take away their humanity or it's too much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think we see that in many cases, but especially with the Holocaust, because we have so many stories that come out of this war um, and the Holocaust was such a horrific thing. Um, and I, I think there should be many stories about it. That I'm not complaining about that. However, I think that the Germans had I'm not excusing anything, but I think that's what we're seeing here. You have to take away the humanity of the people that you're oppressing and going to kill or it's too much because yeah. we're all people. And to kill another human being is not an easy thing unless you're a psychopath. Right. And so you have to take away their humanity in order to be able to fulfill your commands mm-hmm. <laughs> as a soldier. And that it is. It's heartbreaking to see that. And and you have to take away the importance of the children. You know, they're just another one of these people mm-hmm. that we're trying mm-hmm. to get rid of. And and that and that is the power of propaganda and mm-hmm. brainwashing mm-hmm. and yeah. all yeah. of that which is why i think it's so important to teach our kids about this time period because it can happen again <laughs> we're not yeah. above it nope sorry if that got to be too much no that was <laughs> not good too much i like those thoughts so <laughs> my husband and i were over in ukraine for a little bit and we went to a holocaust uh, memorial and one of the ladies that was, I don't know if she was, would be considered a docent or one of those kind of people that takes everyone on their tour and tells them about the museum. She was telling us that she had a school group come in and it wasn't the kids complaining about the field trip. It was the teachers. I don't know why we have to be here. I don't know why we have to talk about this. I don't know why we have to teach this. And to me, that was very telling that it's very important that we continue to mm-hmm. teach our children this because we still have adults that don't value it and don't yeah don't see the the tragedy. I don't know, that was shocking to me because I've never been exposed to that level of harshness about the Holocaust, but it's important to continue to tell this story. So that was our first interaction. So Ellen is an only child, yes? Yes. Mhm. So we see these two families and Ellen, it seems, is a little jealous that Anne-Marie has a sibling and has um, that connection. Um, But then you see Ellen get to join her family and we learn a little bit about Anne-Marie's sister that died kind of mysteriously at the beginning. We don't know why or how. And then Ellen becomes part of the family. When I, I don't think I read this as a child. But I think I read something similar. And to me, that seemed so exciting that they got to have a sleepover and pretend. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Reading it as an adult, what were your feelings? (laughs) (laughs) 
I mean, I just knew something bad was going to happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did too. It's like uh, they're going to show up and they're yeah. going to find out. Because <laughs> Ellen's family is Jewish. And right. so yes, we said that. her parents, like, word gets around that the Nazis are going to be quote unquote relocating the Jews, which we all know now what they were really doing with them. Mm-hmm. So Ellen's parents leave. And they leave her in the care of Anne Marie's family with the hope that they will meet up again someday. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, Ellen has to pretend that she is Anne Marie's sister. And for the kids, I think they were excited, but Ellen is also very scared because she doesn't know if she's going to see her parents again or where they are. I mean, they didn't tell her where they were going. I'm sure they probably didn't know where they were going initially. Um, so, again, back to that not telling. Mm-hmm. Like, just telling the kids what they need to know. Um, so, we'll back up a, a little bit. We do um, also get a glimpse into what it was like for just every citizen of Denmark during that time. Um, and other countries as well that were being taken over by the Germans. So, they were not able to get access to clothing, um, to sugar, to make cupcakes. What were What maybe was something that stuck out to you guys about... Just that time, trying to live in that time. Um, Our good friend Zoe commented on that very thing. So I'm going to read what she wrote on our Facebook page. She said, I think what struck me was seeing the war in the everyday little things. We live in such prosperity and safety that we forget that butter, pink cupcakes, and new shoes can be such luxuries. Yep. Um, I think she just kind of says it very well there. Yeah, we don't really think about that kind of stuff because like she said we don't live in that time zone we don't have shortages i mean i think the worst shortage going on right now is there's a shortage of helium so oh no we can't have birthday balloons (laughs) so it's just like you know that was going on (laughs) you know so yeah we we have no idea what that's like or the newspaper that they got secretly and they had to burn it when they were done reading it yeah yes I can't imagine. Well, I mean, kind of. (laughs) We don't really know what's true in the news nowadays. (laughs) So we also see um, how Anne-Marie and Ellen are kind of growing up before our eyes during this time. And I thought one of the first things that was really sweet and telling that they are having their young eyes open was that Amory quickly ripped Ellen's necklace off. I just thought that was a very sweet friendship moment when the mm-hmm. the Germans were coming to their door and they were still like in the bedroom pretending to have their sleepover um, but she knew something was happening. She ripped her Star of David necklace off. Um, Amory ripped it off of Ellen so she would be safe and I just that really struck me. <laughs> I know it's a very strong way and I don't know why. Was there any other friendship moments like that that you guys can think of? Were there any other? I mean, I just think, I don't know, like just having like the two families anyway were such close friends. Mm -hmm. Like Ellen's parents were um, comfortable enough to leave their daughter with the Johansons. They they felt Mm -hmm. safe enough to do that. And then later on in the book, we see that the Johansons are willing to put their lives Mm -hmm. at risk to help Ellen and her parents um, escape. Where did they escape to? Sweden, was it? Sweden. 
So yeah, it's just the the things that that people will do for friendship, mm-hmm. especially in these types of situations. It's very very powerful and moving to read about and knowing that this was just a retelling of only one of the scenarios mm-hmm. that was going on right. and this was in Denmark and I mean this was probably happening in I mean, I know for sure that these kinds of things were going on in the other countries that Germany occupied. So right. just to see that coming together of people and being willing to sacrifice their own lives for the safety of others. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people could have just been like, well, we're not Jewish, so we don't have to worry about this. And you guys have fun trying to figure this out. <laughs> you know, they could have very well done that, but they didn't. Well, and like... What we were talking about, um, well, actually, I think that was in our lower books, but this goes back to my favorite theme in all of humanity it is in this great tragedy, you see these bright shining lights of hope yes, mm-hmm. and it shines even brighter because it is so dark mm-hmm. yeah. um, and it does give you that glimpse of the good side of <laughs> humanity that yeah. there there is some light in the darkness and and that's I think what struck me as well, you see these harsh men who are picking on children and then you see the Johansons putting their lives at risk. And even just to take Ellen in was Mm -hmm. taking their lives. (laughs) You know, they could have recognized Ellen as being the daughter of that other family. You know, you never know. And I just thought that was really neat. And to even let her be their daughter that had passed away. I'm sure that would have been difficult Mm -hmm. as well. And I don't know if that part of the story was true, but I'm sure other people did it. <laughs> yeah, right. When I think that for me, I'm very, I can tend to be very sensitive. And so reading stories like this, uh, especially if it's like a young adult or adult novel about World War II or just some of the things that have gone on in history that right. um, just involve human beings treating other human beings like trash uh, like animals. It really bothers me and it's hard for me to handle. But I think what helps me when I do read or hear about these stories is those those bright shining lights of, of right. the people who were doing what is right and were treating other people with dignity. So that's what makes it easier for me to, to read about. Mm-hmm. It's like you're not... You're not going to hear about these stories if you don't also read about the terrible things that also went on. Right. So we see Anne-Marie and Ellen and Anne-Marie's mom and sister. They take a trip out to visit Anne-Marie's uncle. And Anne-Marie's father has to stay behind to make things look normal. So they take the train ride out into the country and you're kind of wondering what's going on. And then this is where we we read a lot about um, fear and courage. And we see um, Anne-Marie's uncle Heinrich. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Mm -hmm. Who teaches her what courage is. What did you guys think of his definition of courage? Do you remember what it was? I don't remember exactly. It was something about like it's easier to be brave when you don't know as much or something yeah, like basically, that. basically, basically. And, and just doing what... Just doing what's right. Yeah. Doing what you need to do. Did you kind of agree with what he was saying or did you have any 
thoughts. Let's find it. Let's find it in our book. It gives a page number. I, I did agree with him. So he asks her, he says, how brave are you, little Anne-Marie? And she said, not very. And so he knelt down to her level, which is always nice when adults do that, and kind of says, no, that's not true. I think you are brave like your mom and your dad. And he said, frightened but determined. And if the time came to be brave, I'm quite sure you would be very, very brave. And then he talks about how it's easier to be brave if you do not know everything. Um, So Anne-Marie has figured out that her mom is lying to her and she's never known her mom to lie to her before. So it's really difficult to process. And so her uncle is trying to help her understand why her mom would do that. But also he says that it's easier to be brave when you don't know everything. What do you guys think about that? I agree because... I don't know she was able to just answer the questions that were asked to her from the soldiers without like she didn't have to act she told them what she knew right <laughs> so yeah. I at first I I'm not sure you agree because to me that's not quite bravery that's yeah. just not knowing what's going yeah. on but I don't I feel like the point is he's trying to encourage her to be brave um I feel like he was trying to explain it to a child. Yeah. For me, I think maybe a better wording would be it's easier not to be nervous. <laughs> not to be afraid. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, don't which know I guess on. is bravery and courage, but you're not you're not going to be I don't know. You're gonna have more confidence in yourself if you know what you're saying. Right. If you think at least what you're saying is the truth. Especially mm-hmm. a child. Right. Yes. I think they're going to be more confident. Uh, in what they're saying or how they have to behave mm-hmm. if they only know what they need to know, mm-hmm. I guess. Well, especially in the context of the fact that she knew she was being lied to, but I feel like he was trying to explain to her why. Yeah. Right. You know, it's not make, that, yeah. you know, your mom wants to lie to you. She's trying to protect you right now. And really, they were... The adults were keeping things from each other so they wouldn't have to answer questions. They right. could honestly just say, I don't know where they are. I don't know what they're doing, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which was very smart. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so we see the fake funeral for great aunt Bert. <laughs> this was so clever to me. <laughs> it really was. And it, it, I, I've seen moments like this before in different Holocaust stories where it's almost humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe just humorous because it's like that awkward, you shouldn't laugh at a funeral, but like, right. <laughs> like there are just moments that yeah. are humorous. <laughs> well, my one of my husband's favorite movies is um, Life is Beautiful. If you've never seen it, you really should watch it. Um, definitely have some tissues because it's, very sad. But um, there are definitely moments where the there's a dad and a son that are in a concentration camp and the dad's trying to lighten, kind of in this story, similar to this story, um, lighten or take away some of the fear for his kid and make it almost seem like it's a game that they're in this concentration camp. So there are moments that are really funny because he's trying to be funny. Um, anyway, so I thought this funeral scenario was a little bit amusing. I think one of the things that really struck me about this, and it kind of goes back to taking away humani- the humanity or the dignity of these humans, um, 
once we figure out that it's not a funeral and the soldiers come and go and then the Jewish people have to put on these old ratty clothes and Anne-Marie is watching her friend and her very dignified parents, which we finally find out where they are, um, put on these old ratty clothes that she knows they would never wear in a regular (laughs) time of life. Um, But they have to do this to be warm and safe and take this journey they're going to take. Um, That to me wasn't tangible because I wasn't actually feeling it, but it felt tangible Mm -hmm. to see their, these dignified human beings being brought low in this situation. And it was really kind of heartbreaking. And, and I know this isn't even the scariest part or the saddest part, but to me, it was just a little bit of a piece of, I don't know, like, I guess I could picture myself being in that situation Mm -hmm. a little bit easier. Because being in a concentration camp, we don't know what that would be like. But having to wear gross clothes, that's yeah. something that I could like picture right. or like smell almost. Yeah. And I think we see a lot of times the Jewish people that went through the Holocaust, we see them coming out of the concentration camp or, you know, like in their abused state within the concentration camp. But we don't get that picture of these dignified. Yeah. You know, they weren't lower than anyone else around them. They were just a different race. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know where I'm going with that, but <laughs> I follow you. I felt I'll like she wrote you. that scene okay. really well. And yeah, it was, it was. Yeah. And just something that kids could relate yeah. to. Mm-hmm. And just a powerful picture of what was going on. I feel like the whole book was written well like that. It was, it was a really, really good way to have children read something like this and mm-hmm. learn about something like this. And. And probably give them a perspective of how they would have felt as a child having to go through this. Right. So then we see just the pure genius of these (laughs) people, the the Danish people, and how they're going to help the Jewish people escape. They were clever, clever several times. I was. I mean, on many levels. (laughs) So they have this underground resistance system. System. Yeah. And we find out that Anne Marie's sister was a part of it. That was at the mm-hmm. end of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and her fiance is the one that is kind of coordinating this escape. And so they have everyone put on the the coats and they have to give the baby like sleeping medicine. Mm-hmm. And they have to go out at night so they won't be seen. That was really intense for me. Yes, it was. <laughs> yeah. And I've read this book before. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> so I haven't, and like again, I've been reading a lot of World War II fiction with adults, and things don't always go no. happy, hunky dory no, no, no. in those books. Like they tell it how it is, and so I was just waiting for something truly bad to happen. And right. this is a children's book, so thankfully nothing terribly well, awful exactly. happens. So well, and in this story. I mean, with a story about how, you know, almost 7,000 Jewish mm-hmm. people escaped. So the odds are for them in as far as yeah. <laughs> the true story. Yeah. <laughs> um, but something, I guess, sort of bad happens. Yes. So we we see earlier on that there's a loose step. Mm. I knew that was going to yes. come back. You know, they really, yes. they really brought that out. Some foreshadowing. <laughs> 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 So on their way out, uh, one of the, I think it was an older gentleman, tripped on the loose stair. Mm-hmm. And he was carrying a package that yeah. he was supposed to give to Anne-Marie's uncle Correct. when they got to the boat. And it was a very important package. 
But no one knew what was inside of it. No and one. we did not know it was dropped at this moment that we it was did dropped. Not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You find that out later <laughs> when the sun comes up. So Anne-Marie's mother grew up in this country rural area that they are using to escape. And so she knows the woods like the back of her hand. So she leads this group of people to her brother's boat. And Anne-Marie is kind of up most of the night waiting and then she falls asleep and then she wakes up and realizes that it's much later than it should be and her mother is not home. So that is something bad that happened. Mm, Her mother tripped on the way back. She got a little too confident and injured her ankle. So Anne-Marie helps her. The mother like crawled through the woods. I don't know if this was a true story, but I felt like that was really scary. Mm -hmm. And so... (laughs) um, as they're going back to the house, I think they see this package that has been dropped. And Anne-Marie's mother is super scared mm-hmm. because she, I think she must know what's in it, she right? She must know what's in it, yeah. So Anne-Marie says, I know how to get there. I can do this. I will run and get this to the boat. And her mom says, yes, <laughs> you better hurry. <laughs> yeah. So Anne-Marie gets stopped by some of the German soldiers and their dogs. And the dogs really um, are very interested in what... Oh, Anne-Marie has a basket of food. Mm -hmm. I forgot about that. Yes. She hides the package (laughs) underneath the food. Yes. She's pretending to take lunch to her uncle and hides the package under the food. So the dogs come in and sniff the basket and then stop. And then the soldiers try to look through the basket and they're ruining the food and I'm making me angry. (sighs) (laughs) so angry i was so mad that whole I time i just wanted to i, I just know. wanted to beat him with the basket for her <laughs> so Anne-Marie finally gets to the boat and gives the package and her uncle is so so grateful it comes right in the nick of time and i don't believe it is until later that we find out what's in the package her uncle is mm-hmm. telling her so this is a true story they when i found that out i was like what <laughs> Um, so the soldiers had these dogs and the Denmark, the Danish people would hide the Jewish refugees in the bottom of their boats. And when the soldiers would come with the dogs, the dogs could sniff out the people and they would even try to put like their stinky fish on top to try to mask the smell that the dogs could still find them. So they finally realized they needed to do something about that. And so the, some of the scientists came up with this concoction composed of dried rabbit's blood and cocaine. So the blood attracted the dogs, and then when they sniffed at it, the cocaine numbed their noses and destroyed um, just temporarily their sense of smell. So the captains of the boats would hold those packages at the front of the boat. When the dogs would come, the dogs would be drawn to that, smell it, and then when they continue on to the boat, they won't find the people because they can't smell them. I was so pleased. Yes, that was very interesting. Again, more cleverness. So (laughs) proud of them. So I'm going to take this moment to read a comment from Liz McDermott on our... um, This is from our... Book club? Yes, it's from our book club. So she says, I wasn't aware that the Danes smuggled their 7,000 Jewish fellow citizens to Sweden, and the part with the handkerchief blew my mind. So that's what we've just been talking about. Um, She said, I thought for sure the package was passports or other such necessities. Books like this always make me think, too, if I could have been brave enough to do anything like they did. I really resonated with the concept of knowing the least amount of information possible allows you to be as brave as you can be. 
I always thought that, that it was so you wouldn't spill details if captured, but that perspective makes a lot of sense to me now. So she liked the yes. that part about bravery. This is why we love our book club. Mm-hmm. We get different points of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and I like Liz. I didn't I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this and like reading about it, I was just like, Yes, like this is like the <laughs> coolest thing ever. Like why hasn't a movie been made about this? Right? It just seems like super epic. And like, and I guess maybe things like this, or I guess stories like this have maybe, the spirit of these stories have been taken and, and put into different other genres. Like, like I even think of Star Wars. This is something like you know, in Star Wars where they're trying to help people escape the, <laughs> escape, you know, from the hardship of the Empire right. and all those things. Like just... So, yeah, I think we can see the spirit of, of these moments in history and other stories. But I don't know. I just feel like this is a story that needs to be told more. Right. So, I don't know. I would I would just say if you are a parent and have children or maybe you're a teacher, like, this is a great book to read with children. Number one, so they can learn that this happened. And then, you know, number two, just teaching them about these themes of friendship and bravery and mm-hmm. um, just standing up for fellow humans and treating each yes. other with dignity. Yeah. And I think one story that we are more familiar with and others might be as well is um, Corey Ten Boone. She was also someone who helped smuggle. She was a Dutch citizen. Mm. So. A little bit different, but we do see different stories like that where where people give up mm-hmm. a lot. Um, in her case, ended up going to a concentration camp. But I love these stories, and they mm-hmm. need to be told. And I love that we have children's books that make them accessible to yeah. all ages. Yep. So I think indeed this book is very <laughs> deserving of the Newbery oh, Medal yeah. it received. I agree. It's not like it's a short read. And yet it felt so long to me, like not in a bad way. Yeah. I think it's an easy read. It took me a while to get into, so maybe that's what you were feeling, Mandy. I, I, It took me a while to get into it. No, I got into it fine. I just felt like it was, the adventure was long, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I had a good time. But yeah, it's it's just a very, she's taken a very complicated and scary time and history and and um, not simplified it but just brought it down to a child's level and i i think too this age range and and lois lowry writes about it in her um forward in the book at least in the books that we have but this book is written mainly for that age group you know 10 to 12 the little girl in the book is 10 and that's such a powerful age for kids because they're becoming aware of the difficulties in the world and their personal responsibility. And I think this is a very powerful book for that age range to see, like we have already talked about, would would we do, you know, would I do that? Would I be that person? Would I stand up for my friend? And I think it will apply to everyday life too. You know, will I be the one that stands up for my friend if they're getting bullied or stands yeah. up for the kid that's not? Yep popular but you know you know things like that so i think it's um it's just helpful all around helpful and this this is the kind of book <laughs> that i i always picture when we talk about newberries and so when we read books like ginger pie yeah. 
or yeah. <laughs> other such books. I get so disappointed because this is what I'm looking for in a Newberry. Yeah. This, yeah. this book was all around. Like, this is a book that is making a significant and lasting impact in children's exactly. literature. Like, yes. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> We're not bitter about Sorry to all pie. you Ginger Pie fans I'm sorry. out there. I'm sorry, fans Please of write in pie. and tell us what you love about that Please book. Please help us understand. Well, we did it. We, Good job, we discussed guys. the book. We discussed a book. So and I read it, the whole thing. I'm so proud of you, Mandy. And I'm reading other books. We're making positive steps. Send your encouragement to Mandy. A new Words of affirmation. Good job, Mandy. Encouraging her to a, a continue reading and finishing the books that we read on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, will you read the next book, Lauren? Lauren is. It's your turn. It's my turn. Tell the it people what we're going to read next. Um. So I have chosen "Roll of Thunder, Hear My Cry" by Mildred Taylor. Oh. This is the winner of the. Hang on a second. This is the winner of the 1977 Newbery oh, Medal. I wasn't born. So, yes, this is a book um, in a series. However, the stories, I mean, you can read them in a series, but the stories are, you can read this book and not ha- not need to know what happens in the other books, if that makes sense. So it's this. It does make sense. The series is kind of tells the story of this family, the Logans. I read this book when I was in college for one of my literature classes, and actually, I think the book was read to me. Our teacher wa- uh, felt very strongly about reading aloud to your students, and so she would read to us. She would take time during every class and read to us aloud, and so this was one of the books that she read to us. And it really stuck with me. So I really am excited to read this again with you guys. And I think that when you read this, that you will want to read the other books that Mildred Taylor has written. Intrigued. Let me read the book description from Goodreads for you. Why is the land so important to Cassie's family? It takes the events of one turbulent year, the year of the Night Riders and the Burnings, the year a white girl humiliates Cassie in public simply because she's black, to show Cassie that having a place of their own is the Logan family's lifeblood. It is the land that gives the Logans their courage and pride. No matter how others may degrade them, the Logans possess something no one can take away. So I hope that you guys will read, you listeners will read along with us with this story. Excited to read this one. Well, as excited as you can be about difficult stories. I know it's yeah, <laughs> but again, it's a children's book, so it. Um... Place your order. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. <laughs> it will be here on Wednesday. Let's let the people know how they can get in touch with us, ladies. You can email us teamfriendshippodcast at gmail you can find us on Instagram, Team Friendship Podcast. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Team Friendship Podcast. We are on Twitter, at Three Friends Podcast. And our website, teamfriendshippodcast.com. 
You can find me on Instagram at JediReader1138. You can find me also on Instagram at RedHeadedReader. I am also on Instagram at MandyMalayFauxReader. Well, friends, we will see you all on another time. And remember, friends, no two persons ever read the same book. gonna be okay young boy are you doing okay (laughs) (laughs) it just makes me think of peter pan boy (laughs) why are you crying (laughs) here's my thimble (laughs) oh my word we are not gonna do well Okay, Guys, okay. I feel like I should be in Star Wars whenever I wear this sweatshirt. It makes me so happy. You do kind of look it, like a Jedi, or does, like a, it, it looks like Ray, like a, Je- a Jedi on the weekend. Yeah, you know, like in their lounge that? clothes. H&M. That's funny because it does look very Star Wars esque. I thought that when you came out earlier. She felt like, like a young be... boy Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> like we needed to be on like Tatooine or something. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about? Number the stars. But first. (laughs) All right. It's time for book news. Book news. Lauren, what do you have? No? Okay. So Uh, just hang on. I'm just trying to figure out. (laughs) Anyone else? Joey? It's fun to learn about people's uh, stuff. <laughs> Reading habits? Words are hard for me. <laughs> this is why we do a podcast. <laughs> Ten-year-old Anne-Marie jo- Johansson. I'm going to start over. <sighs> Ten-year-old Anne-Marie Johansson and her best friend Ellen Rosen. Rosen? Rosen, probably. Okay. That's how I pronounced it. Take three. (laughs) Four hours later. (laughs) Thoughts. Let's find it. Let's find it in our book. It gives a page number. I did agree with him. Oh, no. (laughs) Everything's fine. So let me read the book description from book. Oh, my Lanta. Okay. You're having a hard time today, yes. <laughs> <sighs> Well, let's let the people get... Let's... <laughs> oh, my word. We're going to tell the people how they can reach us. <laughs> Leah? Leah, the social medias. <laughs> okay. 